Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, away we go. Let's get back into it. A dozen minutes or so before the top of the hour and the news. And uh, I wanted to get into something that made the news yesterday. The the government here uh, rolled out their carbon plan and uh, whether or not it's going to replace what Justin Trudeau has in mind. Uh, This is now, by the way, being contested in court. Uh, I guess they were in court earlier today fighting on that, suggesting that uh, the feds have no jurisdiction. But let me ask you, Anthony, first of all, uh, because Rod Phillips, the environment minister here in this program yesterday, said they're uh, 22 percent of the way to meeting the 2015 Paris Accord target set by, well, Paris and Justin Trudeau signed on on behalf of Canada. Uh, It seems like that's a pretty sly way of saying, you know, steady as she goes and uh, we're in good we're in good standing. Uh, And then they put a price on carbon. Uh, This Ontario Carbon Fund will, uh, I guess, help emitters meet certain requirements. First of all, uh, what do you make of that Ontario Carbon Fund? $400 I think, over four years. Is that corporate welfare? Unfortunately, there's been a couple of things that the Ford government has announced recently that that somewhat look like corporate welfare. So we got to be careful about that because Doug Ford knows he wasn't elected to uh, give money to the corporations. But any sort of initiative that transfers the general green scheme from being screwing over the little guy every possible way with fees to get his car checked, uh, with the carbon tax, with all these disproportionate hits, anything that gets rid of that apparatus and replaces it with something I've always advocated for, which is sure, there's a lot of people out there who want to build the better green mouse trap. They're trying to do these innovative things. We'll make it easier for them, ideally by getting government out of the way, lowering their energy rates, getting rid of their taxes. I really don't like the preferential grants that Kathleen Wynne did, but all of that stuff, helping companies not government, do the green revolution. I'm all for that over and above screwing over the little guy and telling him, oh, it's going to make GM create electric cars. So you're going to have more jobs in the end. Meanwhile, we're laying everybody off. Right. So it's it's trending in the right direction. All right. And so that would mean like encouraging charging stations. So more people would want to buy electric vehicles, for example, David Sparrow. That a good initiative then? <clears throat> well, uh, as I as I have said, I think that... Um, more green, uh, sorry, more green vehicles is a great thing. Charging stations, it'll be fantastic if the cars can actually get a long distance on a charge. And uh, as was said uh, yesterday, I believe the infrastructure needed to put in those charging stations is going to be uh, massive. That's going to cost a lot of money. And I don't know whether it will be the private sector or the public sector that's actually on the hook for the infrastructure rather than the station. Well, a P3 operation, would that be a, an ideal way of addressing climate change? Well, yeah. I mean, the P3, but I think, it, again, it comes back to the whole argument I made about uh, the immigration issue. You have to have, the, the public has to buy into this. If you look, for example, in the United States, one of the biggest arguments that Donald Trump made that resonated with people was the notion that, you know, uh, we're being forced to comply with these all these standards that are, you know, Paris, meanwhile, places like China that are our direct competitors are not. And they're nowhere near it. Like, I think the, the, even getting to where we are is like 2050 or something for them. So the point is that, yeah, we need to do something. I think this is sort of, uh, uh, you know, what the, the provincial government has put out there, you know, it's clearly uh, uh, 
I wouldn't say an antidote, but it's obviously coming out and saying, here's what we're going to do. We are doing something. And it's, you know, obviously it's, it'll be an argument that, that uh, Trudeau can't make that they're doing nothing. I mean, but this is going to be a complicated matter. You look at that, you mentioned, referenced that court proceeding this morning. They submitted a, a 459-page factum with regard to, uh, you know, the, the province's position on this. So this is going to be a sort of a long, drawn-out battle. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, obviously we have to do something about climate change. I think we have to do something that, it, that has public confidence in this. Well, all right. Uh, the fact, though, that uh, we're close to meeting our Paris Accord uh, targets, you've got to be bullish about that. I mean, or is that just a clever way for uh, calling out Trudeau and saying, hey, we've replaced whatever you had in mind as far as a carbon tax is concerned? I think these were always silly targets to begin with. So when everyone talks about them, either positively or negatively, you know, my, my, my eyes kind of gloss over. But it is interesting to show that we we somewhat through voluntary measures, and that includes getting rid of the coal plants and so forth, we have just been naturally trending in this direction. The forestry sector, for instance, John, has made a, a lot of great uh, measures in moving forward with environmentally friendly initiatives. Initiatives and they and they make up a lot of the greenhouse gas emissions in the country. They have significantly reduced their emissions because it's more efficient for them anyway. Generally, producing emissions is not that economically efficient in most lines of work. So they want to scrimp and save their money on that factor too. They're putting the R and D uh, into all of that. And if we head in those directions, and we already are, I mean, we say the people want this. Well, if the people want this, the people who are at these corporations and these industries, they're going to bring this about, and they are. So this this heavy handed government involvement trying to force all of this just doesn't fly. And for the record, I don't think there's not going to be a national carbon tax. We've got all these court things, uh, you know, as you as you referenced there, uh, the Ontario factum. Jason Kenney will probably win the election in about May next year. He's going to file a Superior Court reference right in the middle of the 2019 election. The next election is going to be a referendum on the national carbon tax. Trudeau can't lose that when he's got pop can't win that when he's got populations representing the majority of the country. All right. Something else before our time is out. Uh, yesterday, another story that came across uh, in the afternoon had to do with two Niagara Regional Police officers getting into an altercation. One was shot uh, anywhere from three to five times in serious condition in a Hamilton hospital. But it turns out that the individual who was shot also uh, had quite a dubious police record, racked up several Police Services Act convictions, uh, docked 120 hours in 2015 after pleading guilty to discreditable conduct and unnecessary use of force against a prisoner. 2012, he was docked 60 hours of pay after conducting his own investigation into a commanding officer who'd been cleared of wrongdoing from a previous incident. 2011, found guilty of using unnecessary force. 2008, docked 90 days pay for arresting a cyclist without cause. 2007, lost a week's pay, found guilty in a disciplinary hearing for pepper spraying a handcuffed and restrained prisoner in the backseat of a cruiser in 2005. So look, uh, without actually impugning his character, (laughs) 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 he may have done that himself. (laughs) I'm kind of curious uh, if there's a point after which you finally say, I guess we got to take away a guy's badge and his gun. Can he still be a cop in good standing, Sparrow? Uh, how can you have four strikes and you're not out? Uh, I mean, c- come on. This is this is a, a crazy story, and the fact that this guy was still in the field, uh, I, I just I don't understand it. I, as you know, I was a paramedic in the city of Toronto for nine years, and I know the discipline that we had to operate under, and I would like to think that police operate under an even more strict uh, system, but this this is pretty absurd, and and for them to actually get into a fight, a physical fist fight that then ends up with somebody <laughs> pulling a gun and shooting somebody multiple times, uh, the, this is one of the most bizarre stories. 
Well, uh, yeah, we talked about workplace <laughs> incidents yesterday and whether or not you, you can ever see yourself drawn to those heights of uh, being emotionally fraught and whatever. That aside, uh, Michael, do you see that uh, there should be a point after which you've got to take away a guy's badge and gun. Well, and this is an example where that point was passed a long time ago. I mean, this is like reading the script from that movie Training Day. It's just insane. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's also the nature of the things, too. You know, arresting a cyclist, you know, improperly, pepper spraying a guy in the backseat of your police cruiser. I mean, and I obviously I can only extrapolate from this, but you want, what else happened? You know, it's, again, it comes back to the whole nature of public confidence in the police force and everything else, because you you start wondering, okay, well, who's in jail who shouldn't be there? You know, who Mm-hmm. Who else was beat up? Who, this is the kind of stuff that starts asking those questions. But you look at this guy's thing. It looks like, you know, when you look at this, you're thinking you're probably looking at the rap sheet of somebody he should have been arresting instead of the guy <laughs> making the arrest. Well, again, though, you know, I want to be careful. Like, maybe the interdisciplinary thing that happened uh, is all that was necessary to do, and then he was found in good standing till the next time. <laughs> <laughs> that probably was the case, and that's a longstanding problem we have in, I guess, in Canada, they probably in the U.S. too, you know, public servants were not able to to reward and give bonuses and celebrate all the good public servants and police officers and teachers, and we're not allowed to punish the bad apples out there. We got a pro- why wasn't why weren't we able to toss this guy? Well, yeah, and that's the central question because you know if you can't with the police, is it a matter of maybe you know about this, David, being a paramedic? I know sometimes you know there's a territorial thing as to who addresses which calls and whatever, but is their association so strong or union so so strong in this case that? You can't basically fire a cop? Well, certainly uh, the Toronto Police Association is considered one of the strongest unions in Ontario and perhaps in Canada. Um, And frankly, I always look for the opportunity to uh, bring a member back into the fold and to help them through their challenging period if they... uh, if they step outside of line. Uh, however, we also have a process whereby if if someone has is warned and goes through the whole process, then eventually their membership would come to an end. And you would think that would happen here in the police association, perhaps even faster than these four, what appear to be pretty major incidents. Okay, so you, you didn't read this as give the guy another chance. <laughs> <laughs> not, at, not at this point. And apparently his sergeant didn't either. Um, so. Well, that's alleged. Uh, still just alleged, but I get your point. <laughs> All well taken. Guys, thanks for coming in this Friday afternoon. Anthony Fury from The Sun, Michael Giles, a government apparatchik, and David Sparrow, <laughs> <laughs> president of Actra National. Thank you all. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 